Welcome to the Nativist Podcast, where we tap into our instinct and natural power to live intuitively. The ultimate goal is to leave the world healthier and more beautiful than we found it. It all starts on the individual level by cultivating our mind-body connection. Whether you're on a healing journey or just want to look and feel your best, I hope by the end you feel a little happier, a little more inspired, and a little more invested in yourself and the world. Please remember to subscribe to this podcast and leave a review. Thank you. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the latest episode of the Nativist Podcast. This is another solo podcast. I'm really on a roll with these. Not intentionally. That's just the way that it's worked out. But you get me again this time. Next time, I think I will have a guest. I have some scheduled. So fingers crossed. But today's topic was suggested by my bestie, Rachel. Shout out to Rachel for suggesting this. Thank you so much for it. It's again, I know I say this all the time, but it's relevant to all of us. I choose topics that are hopefully relevant to all of us. I want it to be universal. Not everything is universal. And even things that aren't universal or don't personally resonate with you, I think are still informational and valuable because they can help you relate to others better, understand others better, empathize with them. So, I mean, everything's valuable. I think information is always valuable, but that's why I am a freak about reading and learning as much as I can. Okay, today's topic is on leadership. So this isn't just in the conventional, usual application of the word. If you're in a leadership position, if you're a supervisor, if you are over a group of people, I think we're all leaders and we can all be leaders and we can all lead from where we stand. And that's what I really want to focus on today because we all have different attributes and characteristics that can be valuable in leadership. And you hear about the alphas and the betas and people who would rather follow, but that doesn't mean that you can't lead in your own way. And regardless, you are the leader of your life or you should be. And we'll talk about how we can be more of that and reclaim our power for ourselves. And one of my favorite movies is The Holiday. And I love in it, Kate Winslet is talking to one of the other characters on there about being the leading lady of your own life, the leading man, the leading lady of your own life. So not playing a supporting role in your own life and not ceding power, but reclaiming power and taking responsibility and accountability for your life. And we'll talk about ways how we can do that. And there will be times and moments where we don't really feel like we are and there will be ebbs and flows. So it's not like you need to feel on top of your game all the time. That's unrealistic and exhausting to think about doing. But even in those moments, I think there is still a way to have ownership of your life and to own your life. Lots to talk about. So I hope you're as psyched as I am to talk about this. So really, circling back to what I just said, it really is leading from where you stand. Whether or not you have a title behind your name or you're in a leadership position, think about this. How many times have you seen people not in the leadership position actually be the ones who exert the most influence? They're the ones who people, the one whom people look to when a decision is being made or when people are trying to decide how they feel about something, they're gauging it upon this person's reaction. I mean, sometimes this is formal, sometimes this is informal. It's not always the one who's actually technically in charge. And this can be seen in family dynamics. I know my sister is the shot caller in our family. She's not the parent, but she is the decisive one. She's, I mean, and it's, it's been known in our family and we joke about it now, but it was hard for me for a long time to really accept, and that's a whole other conversation, but it's not always the person who's in charge or supposed to be in charge. So that's something to keep in mind too, as we go through this. And I really want to talk about ways that you can be a leader and likely already are. So as we go through these, make your own mental checklist. Does this relate to me? Does this relate to me? Can I relate to this? So one way that you can be a leader is your work ethic. So you don't have to be the boss or the supervisor, but if your work ethic is top notch, that makes you a leader that inspires others. And even if you're not thinking about others and you're just focused on yourself, that's a way to take leadership of your life and to lead in your own life and to be disciplined and to work for what you want, not necessarily just in the conventional sense of the word. I'm really over the word hustle. I really am. I just am, especially lately, especially since 
the pandemic, I feel like I've really just wanted and craved simplification of my life, of my relationships, of everything. And I'm just disenchanted with the idea of making it and hustling and always needing to be productive. And that goes against all that I feel like I was and all that I was taught because my parents, especially my dad, really taught us to be productive and we always had to be productive. But, and there is value in that. It's not that I'm saying we should all lounge around and do nothing and have nothing to show. Not at all. But I'm getting away from always feeling like I need to produce and have something to show for every minute of every day. So going back to work ethic, even when you're in your moments of play, that's actually, those actually can be productive and are equally as important. So work ethic is very nuanced as with almost any topic, but work ethic, if you're working hard and you're really dedicating and committing yourself to an endeavor, whether it's your formal job, whether it's something that you're exploring, whatever it is that you're doing, whether it's house chores, taking care of your house, whatever it is, working hard and taking ownership. Okay, another one, parenting. This doesn't apply to all of us, but I mean, we all have parents, right? So we've all seen what can happen when it's done well and what can happen when it's not done as well. And that's all subjective again, but parenting, that's a way to really lead. I mean, you are shaping children's lives. That's huge. That's like the ultimate leadership position, really. You're influencing generations and really setting, well, the bar and setting the scene and just setting so many things. And that's just leadership to the max. And how you approach that, if you approach it intentionally and mindfully, can really have an impact. The parents are leaders. And whether you're a parent in the conventional sense of the word, a biological parent, whatever kind of parent you are, even if you're a dog parent or a, a pet parent, no matter what kind of parent you are, it matters. So thank you for leading. <laughs> okay, let's go on to the next one, respecting others and yourself. So this is a big one because this is you leading and showing others the way for how you want to and should and will tolerate being treated. And then also showing others how others should be treated too, inspiring others and kind of blazing the trail that way. That might be a dramatic way to put it, but let's say that you're in a situation you're at a restaurant with some friends and they're being really dismissive and disrespectful to the waiter and you take charge and not even, I shouldn't say take charge, but just subtly and kindly and quietly just are kind and respectful to the waiter. That can really, really have an influence on the group at large. And even if it doesn't, that has an impact on that waiter. That has a ripple effect and that matters and that's true leadership when you're showing that and going back to respecting yourself so it first starts with respecting yourself and i'm a true believer that if you respect yourself you respect others I mean, it's a direct reflection so if you're respecting yourself you're able you have the bandwidth to respect others and if you're not respecting yourself there's some work to do there some digging in to do don't take yourself to task critically and i mean you need to level with yourself and be honest with yourself and acknowledge where you need to focus on so you can get to that point where you do truly respect yourself but it's not like you need to beat yourself up and bully yourself over it that's not going to do any good either that's not a good leader right so respecting yourself and if you respect yourself that shows others how you can and should be treated and then that also inspires others to respect themselves too you see that ripple effect so be kind to yourself and be kind to others and how you treat others and how you treat yourself matter. And that really is leadership in its finest form. Speaking of responsibility, being financially responsible, that's leadership too. That's leadership because you're owning your life and making smart, responsible decisions. And sometimes you're gonna have to rely, well, I shouldn't say you will have to, but sometimes you may have to rely on others for support, for help in whatever form that may take. But if you're doing your best and making sound financial decisions, that's leadership because then that shows that you are going your own way and you're doing what you can to take responsibility and accountability for your life. 
Sometimes things happen beyond our control. We go medically bankrupt or somebody cheats us out of some money and that sucks. It does. Life happens though. And it's one thing to blame others for it. I mean, and they may well deserve the blame, but at the end of the day, it's not about blaming. Just showing that somebody deserves the blame really does nothing to change the situation. If you've been abused or you've been mistreated or whatever, that's horrific and that's so awful and traumatic. But at the end of the day, it's not the abuser's responsibility to do anything about it. And that's part of why it sucks so bad. You're left hanging the bag, holding the bag, but it's your life and you're the leader of it and you have to act accordingly. And so part of that, I think, is making responsible decisions. And that means then you don't have to rely on others too. you're doing all that you can to prevent having to rely on others. And I know that money decisions are often passed down through generations. You model your parents' behavior maybe, or maybe you see them make certain decisions and it makes you want to make the opposite decisions. So it can go either way. But a good rule of thumb to live by is to live within your means. If you don't have money, don't spend it. And I know there are some exceptions if you need to buy a house, but do you need to have the biggest house? Do you need to have all of the luxuries within that house? Do you need like a five-car garage? Do you need 10 bedrooms? Do you need the finest of the fine whatever hardware in that house? Do you really need it? And I think life is a balance about living it and treating yourself and you can't take money with you, but you got to have a savings because if you don't, that's irresponsible. And I don't like saying this, but it's the truth. It's selfish too, because then you're going to have to rely on others bail you out, whether the government, whether friends and family, and this is not getting into politics and socialism versus capitalism and all of that. We are not getting into that. Let's not get political, but it's your money and it's your responsibility and it's your life to lead. So making sound financial decisions, or if you're an emotional spender or addicted to spending, that's a mental health issue. And that's your responsibility to address. Hopefully if it's beyond your capacity to address, then others will step in and help. But that's ultimately your responsibility. If you find yourself in that scenario time and time again, you have those tendencies, get the help you need, do whatever you need to do, be a leader. Okay, moving on, being eco-friendly. And again, this is not getting political, but I think we have seen that the earth isn't what it used to be, right? And I mean, that's just science. We're not getting into what we need to do about it. Well, I guess kind of we are for talking about being eco-friendly and eco-responsible, but it's just doing your part. Um, Avoiding plastic where you can, using paper where you can instead of plastic. It's reusing if you can, um, repurposing if you can, recycling. I mean, we can all do these things. And I am a big believer in all of this and I do as much as I can. There are definitely areas and where I can improve, but it's baby steps. And it's also about not overwhelming yourself. But when you make these efforts, then others around you are affected and hopefully inspired, but it contributes to the collective good and it helps everybody. And when it's more commonplace and the more and more of us who do it, the more normalized it is. And (laughs) you don't want to peer pressure people, but in a way you, you do. You want people to feel compelled and motivated and inspired to contribute to the collective good. Mother Earth unites us all, right? It's our all of our home. So by being a leader on here and leading in our own way by doing what we can, honestly, doing what you can, doing the best that you can, you don't have to take it all on. And I know there's the argument where certain actions have minimal impact. It's really up to the corporations and all that they do to really wreck our environment and our planet. But still, that doesn't let us off the hook. We're still responsible for doing what we can and leading in our own way. So do what you can. And if you need any inspiration for that, reach out to me because I have a lot taking action. So I don't know about you. I'm one of those people who overthinks. I'm definitely an overthinker. Paralysis by analysis. And I'm constantly evaluating the different options and ways and methods. And I want to land on the perfect way to do something before I commit to it that doesn't always happen. And it's just unrealistic too. And like I said, paralyzing. My podcast is one of the things that I'm so proud of myself that I didn't expect perfection from, from the get-go. I just did it. 
Did it suck at first? Was the audio awful? Yeah. And does it still sound a little, well, I won't, <laughs> I don't want to beat myself up, but I mean, I still have room to grow and I will continue to grow, but I just pulled the trigger and I'm happy that I did. And you overcome that initial inertia and then that's really when magic can happen. That's when inspiration can flow in. That's when solutions can flow in. That's when motivation can flow in too because you're inspired that you did it and you just, you did it. And then all of a sudden you have that momentum propelling you forward and it's the coolest thing. So just take action. And that's a pretty vague, broad term. And so we can apply this in so many ways. Take action for a cause you believe in. Take action for yourself towards a goal you have, a dream you have. Take action instead of lounging around on the couch. And like I said earlier, there's value in lounging too. I mean, you need rest and you need play and you need to give yourself a mental and physical break. But taking action can be so therapeutic too and so invigorating and just taking action just proves to yourself that you can do it and you may come up against a roadblock but again that momentum can really propel you through that roadblock and help you navigate around it or through it and so just taking action instead of letting others take control of your life and telling you how you should live it and letting them call the shots taking back the reins and owning your life and segueing into the next part which is in the same vein it's acting even when scared I mean, fear is a part of life and it's a valuable part of life. I don't think that we should get rid of it. It definitely has a purpose, but it's going to be there. I can say that almost everybody has. I mean, there are those select individuals where psychologically they may not have the same experience or relation to fear, but fear is there and it will be there. And so it's a constant and you just have to accept it. It's inevitable. So it's a matter of what you're going to do with it. If you're still going to act, or if you're going to let it control you. So are you going to let fear be the leader or will you be the leader? And I know that's easier said than done, but it's simply framed that way and true, truthfully framed that way. So act even when you're scared and there's nothing like that feeling when you do something that you didn't think that you could do. Oh, that's so exhilarating. And I did a post the other day and I will read the post. And so I went to this trampoline place with my niece and we were jumping. There was like a field trip there with a million kids. And this little cutie came up and my niece and I were jumping from a trampoline into this large, not foam, but pad, landing pad. And so this little girl comes up and she was watching us and then she really wanted to try it too. And her face was twisted with fear and uncertainty, but longing. You could tell she really wanted to do it. So I hyped her up. I reassured her she could do it. And I said I'd help her if necessary. I was right there. So she jumped. She did it the whole time saying, I'm so scared. I'm so scared. I'm so scared. But she did it. And so immediately upon landing, sheer terror crossed her face until I pointed out she was totally still alive and totally okay and totally brave. So then when she returned her awareness to earth and to her body and realized of herself that yes, she was okay and still alive, there was that tiniest flicker of pride, which was unfortunately soon extinguished by the next problem to solve, like climbing out, but that was nothing. So I helped her until she got the hang of it and then she was able to do that too, get herself out and get herself in. And she jumped multiple times after that, but each time, every single time, she'd say, I'm scared. She would lead with, I'm scared every time. And even when we went off into other parts of the place and we're just doing Ring Around the Rosie, I'm scared. That was just her default. It was even, it was automatic before she realized she was even saying it, I think. So each time I'd remind her, she'd already proved to herself she could do it. She was safe doing it and she was skilled doing it. But she was locked into such a default fear mindset that totally consumed and clouded her thinking and her confidence. No matter how many times she disproved herself, doubt was relentlessly lurking. That was her go-to, her mantra, I'm scared. That was her security blanket in a way. Can you relate to that? I know I can. And I think most of us can relate to this to varying degrees, whether we're considering leaping into a pit, putting in for a promotion, signing up for a workshop, auditioning for a team or a role, pursuing a dream, getting physically or emotionally intimate with another, asking for help. Being vulnerable is so not comfortable. 
that high that comes from doing the dang thing anyway, it's pure exhilaration. And I'm not a therapist and I'm not prescribing any actions. And like I said, fear is valuable and has purpose. And there are often very valid reasons for fears and fear mindsets like trauma, actual legit danger, etc. But I hope you prove to yourself as many times as possible just how strong, resilient, and capable you yourself really are. And it's like a muscle. Once you prove to yourself, even with the tiniest of things, even if like you hate talking on the phone or you hate setting a boundary and you do it, you prove to yourself I can do it. And then that kind of bolsters you up for the next time and you know that you can do it. Okay, so that segues into the next being vulnerable too, which is part of what I was just talking about. Ooh, being vulnerable. There are so many ways to be vulnerable too. And it's transformative when you do actually let yourself be vulnerable. And it's not like you need to take vulnerability in one big bite and just lay it all out there. I think there should be boundaries there too. And you should only be vulnerable with people that you can trust. I know that can be tricky to navigate and to understand because when you're scared or ashamed, you don't really know if you can trust anybody or whom you can trust. But bits by bits um, with a trusted individual, there's that word again, trust, like a therapist or a family or friend, family member or friend, just little baby steps. Not everybody is entitled to hearing your story if you're going with that like emotional vulnerability. Not everybody's entitled to it. Not everybody gets to hear it. So kind of fill it out and just do step by step, bit by bit. But be honest about your feelings. That's a good way to start to be vulnerable and share yourself. Connect with others. Let yourself connect. Remove those blockades that you may have built and those walls to prevent connection. Figure out where you feel disconnected from people and where you feel connected and kind of go from there. That's a really good launching pad point to start from is where you feel disconnected to people because then you can dig into that with the help of someone or just yourself sitting in stillness and try to figure that out. But vulnerability, it's huge. That will get you to where you want to go in life. Even if you're doing everything you can to avoid it, that's that's the key. Defusing situations, that's another way to be a leader and that's what we're talking about to circle us back. I know I kind of go off on tangents, but this is all cohesive and all part of leadership, but diffusing situations. And you're able to, I think, when you're not so caught up in your own thoughts and your own self and your own fears and insecurities. So that's why doing your self-work and your shadow work and all of that serves the collective good and helps you be a better leader. Because once you have yourself kind of taken care of and better handled, not that we're always going to be, we'll never figure ourselves 100% out. But once you can free up that bandwidth from yourself and your own insecurities and fears and shames, then you can direct it towards helping others and defusing situations. And even with yourself, being a leader with yourself in the sense of recognizing certain thought patterns, especially if they're destructive or toxic, and being that leader with yourself and guiding yourself away from that and not letting yourself bully yourself, standing up for yourself against yourself, and diffusing the situation with yourself, not letting yourself spin out. And that comes with practice and often guidance, external guidance. But it's only something that you can truly do is to monitor your thoughts. And this does not mean block so-called negative emotions. All emotions are messengers and pieces of data and information. So they're telling you something and they're telling you where you can dig in to remove some blocks or some whatever you need to dig into. But it's not letting them consume you. It's not letting them get a stranglehold on you and prevent you from living your life. So be a leader with yourself. And then also be a leader with others. If you see just in an informal setting, in a friend setting, you can defuse a situation in your family, at work. Again, you don't have to be the so-called boss. You can be a leader and lead from where you stand and work on connecting people. That's true grassroots, transformational leadership. That's what really, really matters. Taking accountability, and I touched on this earlier, but really taking accountability for your life and where you are. A lot of times we're products of our environment and we carry with us baggage often bestowed upon us by our environment, our upbringing, our caregivers, or lack thereof. But ultimately it's up to us to do something about it. I mean, we're dealt cards 
and it's up to us to play them no matter what that's just a life truth and once you can understand that and really own that that's when you can really do something about it and get your life to where you want it to be and really focus on that last part where you want it to be not where somebody else tells you it should be not where your church tells you it should be not where your parents say it should be or your friends or your boss or whomever you get to decide where you want it to be and you can you can have input from them sure and it doesn't mean they have to live in a vacuum and can't have any guidance or advice or anything like that you can draw from others wisdom but it's important to take ownership of your life and that's huge that's something I one of my biggest life lessons that I still am learning and as independent as I am still very directly influenced by my parents and by my family and I realize more and more how influenced I was by the church that I grew up in, the LDS church, just in ways that I didn't even realize until recently. And I know I've said it on here before, but just ways that I saw or was ashamed of my body or sexuality or anything like that. And so it's important. It really is because it may sound so trivial or dismissive, but how you view the little things is how you view the big things and vice versa. And so how you relate to yourself and see yourself as a being, as a human being and all of your complexity and emotions and nuances and all of that, that's going to matter how you move through the world and interact with others. Okay, still talking about leadership. So take accountability. The next one, setting boundaries. And you might have heard me speak a thousand times before about boundaries, but they're crucial. They are vital. Boundaries with yourself and boundaries with others. Not only setting boundaries, but also accepting boundaries. So this goes back to respect. And it's not, boundaries may be something that you struggle with, but you also don't have to rely and perpetuate that narrative. Like boundaries are hard for me, boundaries are hard for me. If you keep telling yourself that, they likely will be even harder. So I'm a big believer in mindset and what we tell ourselves. So maybe tell yourself I can do it. Boundaries are easy for me and they will continually get easier and easier and easier the more you do them that first jump is the hardest so get over that initial hump and it gets easier start with baby steps again too if you need to and for me boundaries sometimes I can go on the opposite side of the spectrum and boundaries are way too easy for me so maybe that pendulum swing brings you that so hopefully you can find a balance because you need to let some people in not be so rigid not be so exacting and demanding that you don't have any flexibility and can't accommodate anybody's humanness. We're all human. So that sweet spot in the middle. I've said it before and I'll say it again. I really think that life is about balance. So boundaries, moving on, self-care. And this comes from self-respect and self-love. But you've heard it before. You can't pour from an, an empty cup. And when you take care of yourself, then you are at your best and you can give your best to others. Otherwise, you and everyone else will suffer if you're not taking care of yourself first. Others will get the worst of you. So if you prioritize yourself, your self-care, this doesn't mean you need to make yourself the center of the universe, but make yourself the leading person of your own life. And so then you can pour from a full cup. You have more to contribute and to give to other people and to give to yourself in the more fulfilling and meaningful and enjoyable your life will be. Self-care isn't just about bubble baths and candles and massages and facials, though those are fantastic. It's also about self-honesty and loving, leveling with yourself and being truthful, like, hey, am I dogging it here? Was that a really shitty thing to say to that person? Did I really not handle that the way I should have? Don't beat yourself up over it, but I advise trying to get to a place where you can acknowledge that and acknowledge those missteps be like, yeah, that wasn't cool. I love you, but do better. I will do better. I can be better. But it's approached and delivered from such a place of love rather than criticism or ridicule or self-loathing or shame. It's from a place of love. Like, I know I can do better and I will be better. I'm human. I will give myself grace and others grace and I accept that. So self-care, that's a way that you can lead because again, you're able to contribute more to others and be a better leader and step up and show up in the world in a much better way. And it invites others to do the same and shows them that it's acceptable and they can see the value and the effect of it. There's such a martyrdom or yeah, martyrdom game, I think being played out, especially with parents where you just, you, you, 
intellectually understand the concept of self-care and you know how important it is and it's just repeated endlessly, but still in practicality and application, that's another thing. You're like, yeah, I know how important it is, but I don't see anybody around me doing it. So I'm not going to be the one to fold. I'm not going to be the one to cave. I'm, And there's a sense of pride that comes with not too, right? In a weird way. And this is, isn't just for parents. This is for anybody, whether you're an athlete, whether you're just a human in general, a, an employee, whatever it is. You're just like, well, I don't see anybody else. And then you just have this cycle and everybody's sharing their highlight, highlight reels. Nobody's showing their fatigue or their burnout or their exhaustion or whatever. And we're all human and we all feel it to varying degrees. We all have different capacities and thresholds and that's important to remember too. So I can't compare mine to yours. So what would make me max out might be just a blip on your radar in one area, like in a a physical area, like physical stamina or whatever. But maybe intellectual stamina in another way. I have a different capacity than you or another or another or another. And we have so many ingredients in the mix with each individual person. So of course we're not going to have the same capacity and the same threshold. And we're going to burn out in different ways, at different frequencies, at different capacities. So that's important to remember too. And I love when somebody just shares that something was hard for them or they did this or they gave themselves self-care. And it's just like permission almost in a way if you haven't given that to yourself and you see others. So be a leader. Give yourself the permission and then that will give others the permission. It's like secondhand permission. Like, oh, okay, so that broke the mold. We can do this. It's, it's doable. It's That's okay. That's acceptable. That's socially acceptable. Be the leader. Part of self-care is being kind to yourself and others, I think, because when you carry resentments and burdens and all of that, that's just bringing the energy level around you down. It's a ripple effect. It's not good. And it doesn't make you feel good. I know some people thrive on drama, but toxic and re- toxicity and resentment and all of that, it's not good for anybody. It really isn't, especially long-term. So part of that is respecting others and yourself and not gossiping. So don't gossip. I know that can be easier said than done. I remember as a teen, a preteen and a teen, that was... I don't know why it was such a focus of mine and I really dialed down and focused on never gossiping and I was successful. And then in the later years, I kind of got out of that. It was never malicious, but there would be times where, you know, I was very careful about if I did gossip because I still try so hard not to. I really do. But sometimes like with my sister, I'll note something or say something and it's never like, it's never critical or malicious or mean ever. She's not like that. I'm not like that. But still, there are so many more important things to talk about. And I've heard that gossip is actually a function that has carried through evolution because it was a way for us socially to relate to one another, to know who was good or bad in the in-group, out-group, so we could kind of orient ourselves and know whom to trust, whom not to trust, who to include in the group, who not to include in the group, who to, whom to exclude for our survival, for our happiness, all of that. So that's an interesting aspect to consider, but you just see these gossip circles and gossip obsessions in magazines and newspapers and media outlets and accounts, and we vote with our clicks. So if you're voting on these just outrageous claims, and even if they're true, it's so not our business. It is not our business whether so-and-so celebrity broke up with their husband or their wife or whomever, their partner, or what happened to them because of this. Like, that's just, and I know it's just kind of unavoidable in some ways in the sense that, I mean, technically it's avoidable. Everything is avoidable or unavoidable, but they're, they've signed up for that profession. That's part of the gig. So they've kind of just resigned themselves to that fact. And I mean, they get compensated very well for all the shiz that they put up with the paparazzi, with the paparazzis, but still just it's none of our business. It is none of our business. And it's just wild that they indulge us sometimes with telling us. And sometimes they thrive off of that attention. I mean, there are so many ways to look at this, but just drilling down to it, it's none of our business, the intimacies of people's lives, unless they want to share it with us willingly. And even then, there's so many other things that we can think about. And I know it's an escape. Sometimes it's so hard to let the heaviness of the world take us down. Like I just read about how all the salmon in the Sacramento River or whatever are going to die because of global warming. 
life can be heavy sometimes and it can really feel heavy and especially when it's sensationalized and dramatized by the media and a lot of it is true and valid and things that we really do need to take seriously but a lot of the heaviness too is manufactured and or amplified unnecessarily so let's vote with our clicks as far as not clicking on clickbait with celebrity gossip and all of that and let's not gossip about each other i mean if you are going to say something say something kindly or if you have something that you just have to say about someone i challenge you to follow it up with three good things about them okay Moving on, in that same spirit, not complaining. And I remember issuing a challenge. I try to do a ripple effect challenge every week. And a couple of times I've done this one is not complaining. Try for three hours, then bump it up to maybe nine hours, and then bump it up three days, three weeks. See how far you can go and see the effect it has on your life. No complaining, even the small complaining. And it's harder than you think, actually. And sometimes you need to vent to a trusted individual. So if you need to vent, vent to that person and then be done with it and really contain it within that one individual. And I like that because, I mean, we, we all need to vent, but I mean, we know people who vent to multiple people and it's, they're just, I mean, it's not about venting to that person because the steam's already been let out. It's not venting, it's just circulating and distributing at that point, you know? And another way to be a leader is to follow through. If you say you're going to do something, do it. Do be a person of your word. Even if it sucks, even if you make plans and really don't want to follow through with them, then learn and don't make plans. That's part of boundaries. If you feel pressured or compelled, even if it's just internally, internal pressure, like you feel, oh, I want them to like me. I don't want them to not like me. I don't want to be rude. It's ruder to make plans than back out. So if you know you're going to bell, if you have no intention of belling, or you really just don't want to, your sense of mind or your peace of mind has every bit as much value as anybody else's. So practice those boundaries and don't make the plans in the first place. Or if you're overextended and just so maxed out and spread thin, practice those boundaries. And if you do commit, follow through. Keep secrets. This is another way to be a leader. Secrets in the sense that if somebody tells you something in confidence and there are legal exceptions to this rule and other exceptions to this rule, but keep that secret. I... I'm so appreciative of the people that I have that are, that honor that. If I share something in confidence, then they keep that secret. And that's something that has always been important to me. And it's a good thing because that's very relevant to what I do for a living. So that's really served me well, (laughs) but it's important. Let people know that they can trust you, build trust. And that's part of leadership too. Okay, moving on. Be considerate and conscientious. Spatial awareness. Be aware if you're going to the store and there are people around you make sure you don't block the aisle be considerate of others feelings and how your actions could affect them sometimes it's unavoidable and you can't be so considerate to the point that you're stifled and you can't do anything and make a move or say anything because you don't want to offend anybody to an extent it's unavoidable and you have to be authentic in your live your life but to the point where you can still function and move and live authentically be considerate and conscientious Volunteer is another way to be a leader. Volunteer if you have the bandwidth, the time, emotional, financial bandwidth. I mean, on your boundaries, but volunteer for assignments. Volunteer for things that other people don't want to do. Go above and beyond if you can. doesn't mean that you need to prove your worth and your value to people. That's where codependency comes in. But be the one to raise their hand, to help others, to get something done, not just rely on other people's labor and work advocate for others and yourself and this is huge self-advocacy is something I really wish I would have done earlier but everything happens for a reason I know that that can be debatable but I do believe that we learn from our lessons and the hardest lessons stay with us the most and I'm grateful for the lessons that I've learned where I didn't advocate for myself because now I understand it more deeply and it's even more important to me and I can empathize with others who don't but advocate for yourself and for others. This is a way that you can lead. Again, lead with your own light, lead in your own life, and then also stand up for others. This doesn't mean that you need to take away their voice or speak over them. Let them have their own autonomy. But if it's valuable and you could help and you have their their permission, then step in and self-advocate for them. Be discerning and balanced with the information that you consume. And this is leadership because this really, your mindset and how you view the world has a ripple effect and plays out and influences your relationships, 
how you vote, how you understand and perceive the world and what you say and do that then affect the world. So when you're consuming information, consider all sides, consult multiple sources, be quiet if you haven't vetted sources or information so you don't have to weigh in on every conversation, especially if you don't know, if you're not quite sure of the facts or have a pretty good idea and let people know maybe how certain or uncertain you you are. You're not expected to know everything. You do everybody a disservice if you're claiming to know answers that you don't or if you haven't vetted that information. Leave room for learning. Delineate opinions from facts. And that's, I mean, one thing. And you can see that some people struggle with even recognizing and distinguishing between facts and opinions. That's huge. I mean, that's not something that we learned. This isn't to belittle because every, everybody is intelligent in their own way. And so if they struggle with this, they could easily be much better at something else that I'm not as great at. So this isn't to criticize and condemn them, but it's it's important. This is something that hopefully we learned in school. You know, when you had to write a paper and you had to cite multiple sources, that's why. And you had to cite credible sources, that's why. And they had to be quality sources, that's why. And don't share divisive rhetoric. Like those memes, sometimes they can be funny, but gosh, they do so much damage too. I, and I'm, trust me, I'm so sarcastic and I love to laugh and all of that. And I love memes, but a lot of times they're not shared in good fun. They're shared to make a barbed point and that just widens the divide. So stay open too, because none of us have all of the answers. None of us have it all figured out. We're all figuring it out as we go. No one side has all of the answers. No one political party, no one side, no one ideology, no love. I mean, that's pretty much the only one that really just covers all the bases, right? But there are nuances to that too, as far as like tough love, soft love, all of that. But just be open, be balanced, be open-minded. Open minds, open hearts, open eyes. I have t-shirts with that. And it's really one of the thing, one of the mantras I live by. And be open-minded and realize that just because you th- think something is so doesn't mean that's the way it is. And gosh, I just look back over even just the past couple of years and things that I really thought for sure I'm re-questioning and reevaluating. It's to the point now like where I'm constantly Googling word definitions, words that I know very well, but I'm like, huh, what if I'm off? on my understanding of the definition of that. And sometimes you run into that with people and they thought it meant one thing and it means something different to you. And then you look up the definition and determine whoever's right or neither you're right. Anyways, don't take things for granted. I mean, that can take a lot of time. I understand you got to get through your life, but to the, to the extent that you can, be open-minded and open to learning and open to reevaluating and reassessing and pivoting and changing your mind and understand that your opinion isn't fact. And so even if you think that that band sucks or that actress is the best, doesn't mean that's so. And everybody else is entitled to their own opinion. Don't apologize for things you shouldn't. And I try not to say what not to do and to do in life, but really it breaks my heart when I see people just living that stifled life and always apologizing for things that have no blame and seeing people qualify their opinions with, I know I don't know much, but I know I'm not an expert, but I know this is a silly question, but so own it and don't apologize for things that you shouldn't apologize for. That doesn't mean that you don't take accountability because remember what we said earlier, accountability is important. So if you did mess up or if you did do somebody dirty, absolutely apologize and apologize genuinely, but not for things that you didn't intentionally do like accidentally cut somebody off. I mean, I guess you can acknowledge that, but you know what I mean? If it's something that, or if it's something that somebody else did, don't apologize for that. Even if it's just a nicety that you say, if you really don't mean it, don't say it. Another way to be a leader is to be creative, resourceful, innovative, be curious, question, think outside of the box. That's why I love newcomers to like a work setting or to anything because they're not so confined by the rules or the ways that we typically do things. I love because they have just such a fresh perspective. I love kids too because they can really operate without outside the confines of the typical way of doing things. And so curiosity is a superpower. So learn as much as you can. Think of ways that you can do things differently and question why do we do it this way? And sometimes it's the most efficient way, the way that it's normally done. But I think there's such value in constantly evaluating and questioning and trying to reframe things. Effort. Just make an effort. Try. That's such a good way to be a leader. Don't be so cool that you're like, oh, I'm not even going to try or so 
bogged down by your fears and insecurities that you've convinced yourself that you don't care about something when you actually do? Or you just are self-defeatist and you're like, I'm going to fail at that. I don't want to try. That goes back into vulnerability. Give others the permission. Blaze the path for them to, to try. And don't take yourself so seriously that you can't fail or you just beat yourself up. And anxiety is a real mental health condition. And I know a lot of that is something that you need to work through and you need treatment for that. But outside of that, to the best of your ability, it can be so liberating and freeing to just release as much as you can what other people think of how you do things and why you do them and risk looking like a fool trying a new thing, trying skateboarding, trying a new art, trying whatever you want to try and not worrying about looking like a fool. Trust yourself. Trust your ability, your thoughts, your intuition. That's when you really can see a true leader is when they trust themselves. They're not so arrogant that they think they have it all figured out. They're still humble enough that they welcome and invite input from others and feedback, but they trust themselves. It's that great balance between when they when they don't trust themselves and when they trust themselves. <laughs> what an articulate way to put it. But you know, like arrogance um, and insecurity, but in the middle of that, they have that quiet confidence. So it's not in your face confidence and they need you to know how competent they are but they just show more through their actions and their lack of expressed or projected insecurity. And they just are in themselves and they just embody themselves and live in their inauthentic, they live in their authenticity. Okay, that takes us into the perfect segue. So I'm going to end with some leadership buzzwords. And thank you for staying with me this far hopefully you're finding some value and here are some leadership buzzwords that might land and maybe you can contemplate and think about and write down and try to incorporate and implement into your own life so authenticity that's huge being yourself not being a copy of somebody else not being too scared to show yourself but when you're authentic that's when you can actually step into yourself and contribute your unique voice that the world needs and your unique contributions and that's when you give others the permission to be themselves and that's where your true power lies is in what only you you and only you can offer the world it's your authenticity and people can sense that and they want to be around people who are authentic and not fake not trying to sell themselves or not trying to be likable and are just them i love authenticity Okay, next one is vulnerability. We've talked about this, but vulnerability is when you're willing to admit that you don't know something. And that's huge in leaders. That's when you're prioritizing the mission and the objective before yourself instead of needing your own ego to be soothed. And this is hard. And this is something that I've really struggled with. But just knowing it's not just about you and breaking down those walls and asking for help if you need it and collaborating with others if you need it and showing that you're human as we all are. That really allows for connection and growth and progress. Okay, humility goes kind of hand in hand too. And knowing that you're not you're not just the supreme being of the world and you are not supposed to have it all figured out and that you acknowledge your shortcomings and we all have them and there's power in that too. And when you can recognize those, you can leverage those too and those can help you turn them into strengths. I know Adam Grant's favorite definition of weakness is a misused strength. So we're all strong in our own ways. And so if you have a weakness, it's just strength that's being misused or misapplied. Okay, next, courage. Be courageous enough to be humble, to be vulnerable, to be authentic. Act despite your fear. Next, awareness. Be aware. Be aware of yourself. Be aware of your insecurities. Be aware of how you may be contributing to a situation. Be aware of where what you need to work on, be aware of others, empathize with others, be conscientious. It's not just about you. Understand your position and understand how you fit into the mix and have an awareness of the situation at hand, micro and macro perspectives, all of that, just awareness in and of itself. Honesty, 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 honesty. This is huge. Not BSing people, respecting them enough to give it to them straight and being honest with yourself. And I am a big believer in honesty and how important it is. And I know people go back and forth on this too and or debate this on 
whether we should or shouldn't tell white lies, especially if it's to salvage others' feelings or to save others' feelings. I'm not going to get into that now, but I do, I will say that I, I really am a big believer in honesty and transparency and that's the best policy. And then you don't have to cover your tracks. You don't have to exert any effort trying to hide anything. You can allow for vulnerability and connection. You can, you can help facilitate growth and progress and respect people by letting them know where you stand, where things stand, where the issues stand so that you can best inform them and arm them to make the best decisions. So honesty all around. Love, 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 love. That's always the answer. If you love yourself, then you'll better be able to love others. And when you love others, you can work towards the collective good and you can act in yours and others' interests and for the highest good. And that's just always going to be the magic balm. Sometimes it's tough love and respect really underlies all of that respect for yourself and respect for others. So it doesn't mean that it's all just soft words and gentle caresses. I mean, sometimes it does need to be tough, but that's when you prioritize the ultimate good over your current comfort and empathy. Empathy goes hand in hand with love and just empathizing with others, realizing we're all in it for ourselves, all in it together. Wow, that was a slip. We're all in it together. And so if you're a leader of yourself, then that allows things to be more balanced and organized because then it's not overthrown by others ceding your power or taking your power and you're able to show up fully as the world needs you and others are able to show up fully as the world needs them. Claim your spot in this world through your words, through your actions. Be mindful and intentional of how you're being a leader in your own life and how you're leading from where you stand. Lead yourself. Inspire yourself. And you know what is crucial in this whole leadership process? is defining success. You define what success means to you. And you can pull from other definitions, but I think it's so important that you define success for you, that you own it and a definition that's meaningful to you and something that aligns with your values. So there can be financial success, sure, but I think what is most meaningful and fulfilling is success on your own terms and by your own definition. So for example, I'm honest in all of my interactions or I have integrity in all of my interactions or you get the idea and it doesn't necessarily need to be financial success or couched in terms of accomplishments. You get to decide. It's not society's definition. It's not your family's definition. It's not your partner's definition. It's yours and that's what can really motivate you and mean the most to you when you reach it. So that's true leadership. When you operate on your own terms, I mean, it doesn't need to mean that you need to flip everybody else the finger, but you take ownership of your life and success and what that means to you and what your life means to you and what you want it to mean to others. So with that being said, go on and lead. And with great responsibility, comes great power. I know it's usually said the other way around, but let's think of it this way. With great responsibility comes great power. If you're taking responsibility for yourself, then you're going to have more power, more power to help the world, to change the world, to help others, to advance your goals and objectives. So with great responsibility comes great power. I love you, all of you leaders.